Hey church, happy Valentine's Day. I hope you're having a great day. Hope the postman managed to get all your cards through through the letterbox. And uh, hey, wasn't it a fantastic vision night we had on Thursday night? I hope you're having a great day so far. But today you can obviously see I'm inside, not outside. It is snowing outside, completely white out, uh, which is quite unlike the UK, but uh, we're having a lot of snow this year. I guess it's God's just saying, hey, I'm going to try and get you uh, get you in the mindset of being in Saskatoon. Fortunately, it's not quite as cold as it is there. But uh, hey, I am so excited about preaching. This is the second in our series. I really believe that today you could walk away from church being totally and radically changed. Now, it's not because of the words that I say, but it's because we've had an encounter with the Holy Spirit, had an encounter with his word. And even in many ways, I, I guess, had it, having a limited encounter with God's people, the church. We don't just come and watch online. Yes, that's what we, I guess that's what it seems like we do, but we're actually gathering through technology, even in these times of COVID. And uh, I believe that God can interrupt our day, interrupt our week, maybe even interrupt our life, and we could walk away from here changed. Some of us maybe are walking around in circles, and we've had our head down over this period of time. But God is saying, hey, get your head up, look around. You know, Jesus, when he was talking to his disciples, he said, get your heads up, look around. The fields are white to harvest. Maybe God is going to interrupt your path just today and change your life, change your day. Who knows if we allow him? Because the reality is everyone is listening to the same thing. It's not what we listen to. As Jesus said in his parable, it's not what we listen to. It's what we apply when we listen to something. So if you're ready to come around the word of God, let's pray. Father God, I thank you for your word today. I thank you for this church. I thank you for what you're going to say to people through this word. And even though, God, I am here, I'm videoing this, I'm recording it early, but God, I'm believing that across technology, across the video, that your word is going to go forward. It's going to be a seed in people's lives. I pray that those that don't know you or those that are far away from you are going to be drawn back uh, into your loving embrace, into your welcome home, even today, in the name of Jesus. Amen. Let me tell you about Megan. You see, Megan, in many ways, was a bit like Greta Thunberg. Many of us know Greta Thunberg. She's not been in the news lately, but sometime last year and the year before, she was just all over the place. See, Megan was a child activist. She had a, her values instilled in her really deeply by her parents who were passionate about the cause that they believed in. See, it wasn't, just a, it wasn't just a Megan thing, it was a whole family thing. We do this, I guess for their, their attitude, we do this thing together. And it became their life. And they actually became known across the world for their stance and their protests. And they made headline news wherever they went. Megan believed, like the Thombergs, that they were engaged in an epic battle between good and evil. They believed they were making a difference in the world. The good that those that they believed in, uh, they were on that they were on the right side, and those that believed the same were on the right side, and those that stood against them, they were the evil ones. Now that's where the similarities between the Thombergs and Megan and her family end. You see, Megan was Megan Phelps. 
You may or may not have heard of her, but I can almost guarantee that you've heard of the Westboro Baptist Church. You see, Megan was part of that Phelps clan and her and her family's cause was to rid the world of those nasty, evil people, those nasty, evil gay people. Megan began to use social media to, to try and perpetuate her, her cause, and she was really good at that. And she would throw out some, some very hurtful and destroying things on Twitter and social media, and then just sit back and watch, I guess, some a bit like throwing a grenade. And she'd sit back and watch what was going on. And but see, something strange began to happen. Civil conversations began to happen when one or two people, not the hundreds and the thousands of people who reached out with, with the same vitriol that she was throwing out there, but one or two people began to reach out with curiosity and with kindness. Megan initially didn't change her views, but in her words, I love this, the line between friend and foe had become blurred. And then slowly she was confronted with her own error, not through people throwing truth at her, but through the kindness of others. Let me tell you about someone else, a guy called Derek. And Derek was outed at the university, the college campus that he was at, and people began to write thousands of emails about him that he didn't represent them on their campus, and he had no place there. He should never be there. So the problem was Derek's father was the grand wizard of the Ku Klux Klan at the time, and Someone had found out who he was and put it out there and then Derek began to, again, receive that same hate that he had thrown at others. And everyone, you can almost guarantee that everyone was either saying something to his face or writing in emails or saying something behind his back except one or two people. One of those people was Matthew Stevenson. And Matthew was an orthodox or is an orthodox view and he decided that he was going to reach out with kindness. He invited Derek to uh, this meal, his Shabbat Sabbath meal that he had every Friday evening. And he reached out and he invited Derek to this meal. And, and it wasn't anything particularly overt, but it was just a group of friends, atheists, Christians. And because Matthew had wanted people to experience what a Shabbat meal was like. Derek, he had nowhere else to go. So he, he actually said yes to this meal. He actually turned up the next week and the next week and began to make this his every Friday night routine. Along with the atheists and the Christians and the Jews, Derek began to experience the kindness of Matthew Stevenson. And slowly he found that his, his views began to change, not because of arguments. They made a decision. They weren't going to argue. This was a Shabbat meal, a place of peace. Matthew began to discuss his Jewish views and Derek began to listen because Matthew extended kindness and hospitality towards him. I want to ask us as a church and as individuals within our church, how often do we take up oppositional stances with people? Maybe it's, maybe it's in person or maybe it is on social media. We start from our points of difference rather than our points of similarity. And I believe that we even do this within our own church community. We, what I would like to call, we other people. They are the other group. They are them. 
And we do that so often, whether it's around our theology, whether it's around gender or sexuality or whatever our current beliefs are. Maybe it's around age differences. We make them the other. We focus on the difference and use their difference to keep them or to keep ourselves at a distance. And we start from our point of a diff start from our point of points of difference and allow that to take us further and further apart. But what if it was our difference that could hold us together? Dee's behind the camera, I'd just like her to come up and, and show you. You see, often we want our Christian life to be like this. Just hold my hand, this is my wife. <laughs> Most of you know her. We want our Christian walk to be like this. We're just walking along and it's like, oh, everything's lovely. Oh, yes. But you see, the problem is, it's not. We know that. Even in married life, it's not always like this. See, sometimes we're facing each other and we're moving away from each other. But what happens if we connect at our points of similarity? But even our differences, as we, as we move away from each other, you see, our points of similarity are here, our hands, and we can still do the journey because... We hold our differences in tension, but we keep our similarities as our point of connection. Wouldn't that be incredible, thanks Dee, if we continued to do that? Our points of sameness is our points of connection, but it's actually our differences that we allow to hold us in tension. We allow those things, we don't allow us, we don't allow them to tear us apart, but we allow them to hold us in tension and move forwards on a journey. Last week in our Vision Sunday, I began a series of thoughts that I'm going to continue and, and probably continue in many different ways for quite some time. The point or the thought of as one. This is my coffee, by the way, my little coffee mug that someone made for me. I hope it survives the 4,000 mile journey. See, I believe if we can get this thought as one, not just, not just a thought or an idea or a philosophy, but allow it to actually outwork in every single aspect of our lives. It can dictate our behavior, change our lives and change the community around us. It will transform our church. It will transform our family. And imagine it could transform our college or our workplace or our schools. If we're a biblical church, and I fully believe we are, it's not just our theology that defines us. It's our theology in action that will define us. It's our hospitality, reaching out to those who are different, reaching out to the others or the othered with kindness. You see, we choose not to other people. We choose not to, to push them away because they hold differences. We welcome them home. I want us to go back to that scripture, Philippians 1 verse 27 and 28 that I talked about last week, Paul says this, whatever happens, no excuse, no get out, no, no little, I, I guess, idea that if this happens, then, then that doesn't count. But Paul says, whatever happens, conduct yourselves in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ. Then whether I come and see you or only hear about you in my absence, I will know that you stand firm in the one spirit, striving together as one for the faith of the gospel without being frightened in any way by those who oppose you. This is a sign to them that they will be destroyed, but that you will be saved, and that by God. So what does our behaviour reflect? 
You see, we should be living a life worthy of the gospel, the good news of Jesus. Jesus gave his life so that we could have life. Jesus, at every single stage, reached out to those that were seemingly in opposition to him. Romans talks about the kindness of God leads us to repentance. Not some soundbite or some throwaway comment on Twitter. It's the kindness, the kindness that they reached out with Megan to, the kindness that they reached out to Derek with. Paul goes on to say that we're striving together. Too often I I see the church striving against each other, Christians striving against each other at their points of difference, but we strive together. That word that's that's used there, striving, I said last week, it's, it's the word with which we get athlete. We don't strive against, we strive together in that tug of war. We come together as the church, we come together as circle. And this year is our year of as one. We live out unity, complaining about the church. And we've all done it, I know. But complaining about the church for us is like complaining about the traffic when we're sat in a traffic jam. We're the problem, we're part of the problem. That's the problem. We are the church, you are the church. And I want to continue with the thought as one. What does that look like? Ezekiel 11 says this, Therefore say, this is what the sovereign Lord says, I will gather you from the nations and bring you back from the countries where you have been scattered. I will give you back the land of Israel again. They will return to it and remove all its vile images and detestable idols. I will give them, I want you to listen to this, I will give them an undivided heart and put a new spirit in them. I will remove from them their heart of stone and give them a heart of flesh. Then they will follow my decrees and be careful to keep my laws. They will be my people and I will be their God. I love that phrase, an undivided heart. And I believe that's what we, we at Circle can have. We, the church, could have that if we actually begin to live out our theology and not just throw it as bombs at people. When we read this passage, it says, I will give them. That's the plural statement. An undivided heart, that's a singular statement. So God is saying, I'm going to put in them, my group of people, one heart. They're going to live out as one. An undivided heart, my people, back in relationship with God. God is calling them my people. He'd scattered them, but he was bringing them home. Back in relationship with God and back in relationship with each other. And they've been scattered across the the Middle East into various secular cultures and had often taken on their way of life within those cultures. And God is saying, I'm going to bring you back together, not not just geographically, but spiritually and culturally. I'm going to bring you back together as one. So imagine a group of people with an undivided heart, one in purpose. One in authentic relationship, reaching out with kindness and with hospitality. Does that mean we're all the same? No, I've said this before. The differences differences within us, within our gender and economic status and ethnicity, they're all there, but they don't create disunity. It means like we, 
in an orchestra. There's so many different instruments, but orchestra is all tuned to the same note, not tuned to the person that we are most like or tuned against the, most, the person we are most unlike. You see, when we reach out to each other with kindness, we begin to connect with each other. We bring change to each other. But here's the problem. As followers of Christ, we, we tune ourselves so often to the person that, that is sat closest to us. And we don't listen to the rest of our orchestra or the person that maybe is seemingly in opposition to us. John 13, Jesus is saying to his disciples, a new commandment I give you, love one another as I have loved you. So you must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. Jesus isn't saying you're gonna, people are going to know you by how right you are in an argument. No, Jesus is saying when, you're, when you interact with each other, by your love for each other, by your as one with an undivided heart, that's how people are going to know that you're my disciples. As one, we tune our lives to this tuning fork. Our undivided heart is held together not by our own efforts, but by the continued tuning of our heart, singular to Jesus. See, as we, as we begin to hold our differences in tension, we connect our love for each other, and that looks like Jesus. When that happens, people see it. People in our world, people in Stonebridge, people in Saskatoon, people in the wider rural areas begin to see it and they can't explain it. When the world around us is so divided, particularly, particularly over politics at this time, imagine a church where, where people are able to hold different political views, but because of our love for each other and our love for Jesus, because of our undivided heart in that area, we are as one. People want it. People want to know, how do you do that? We become that city on a hill that Jesus talked about. When we reach out with kindness, we begin to see people like Megan and like Derek, who, who seemingly are in so much opposition to everything we hold. We reach out with kindness. We reach out with hospitality. And they begin to change their views because of that. You see, people in our world expect judgment. They expect hostility. They expect rejection. But when they walk in circle, what will they find? They will find love, acceptance, kindness. As I said, Romans 2 verse 4 says this, I do not show contempt for the riches of his kindness forbearance and patience, not realizing that God's kindness is intended to lead you to repentance. You see, it's the same with us. God's kindness flows through us and it begins to lead people into that place of saying, I was wrong. I need to turn my ways. God reached out to us with kindness and therefore we need to reach out to our world with kindness. Ezekiel tells us that, that God reached out and exchanged their cold, hard hearts for a soft heart, an undivided heart, a heart that was as one. Remember what Jesus prayed for his followers and for us just before his death. Go back to this, as I said last week. My prayer is not for them alone. 
I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message, that's us, that all of them may be one. Father, just as you are in me and I am in you, may they also be in us so that the world may believe that you have sent me. You see, when we begin to have an undivided heart, when we begin to live out that as one, the world begins to see it, it's not just a religion. It's not just something that we, we don't go to church. We actually become like Jesus and they be, the world begins to believe in Jesus. I've given them the glory that you gave me, that they may be one as we are one. I and them, you and me, so that they may be brought to complete unity. Then the world will know that you have sent me and have loved them even as you love me. I pray that you and I are one, just as the Father and I are one. Why is it that we you, I, so underestimate the importance of unity to God. He's not, I said this last week, he's not just telling us to be friends. There are lots of people who are friends. He's saying, be one as the Father and I are one with an undivided heart. Let me ask you, the same way that I have to ask myself, how would I have reached out to Megan or Derek? See, I see, I see the, the, the things on Facebook and social media, Twitter, and I see the responses that we have as the church, as Christians. And it's not always kindness. In fact, more often than not, it's not kindness. We can't even reach out to each other so many times with kindness. With our undivided heart, do we reach out to the other with our first reaction? I'm going, to, I'm going to jump into this argument. I'm going to prove them wrong. Or do we reach out with Christ's response to us? You see, he reached out with kindness. He reached out with hospitality. Do we welcome people home? Are we, are we a circle, a church that reaches out with kindness? I mentioned this before, but over this period of time, with lockdown and restrictions. We have a, an incredible opportunity to reach our world online. And this year, particularly the beginning of this year, we want to invest in our online presence, a better website that reflects who we are, camera equipment that enables us to do what we need to do, what we need to do, but also helps us when we come back in our building together. Our team are incredible. What they do with what we have is amazing, but the reality is when we begin to come back together, that's not gonna be good enough. What we need is to increase that, is to, is to actually uh, develop our equipment. So in a few weeks time, we're actually gonna be receiving an offering. So not so that we can have brilliant tech, a tech savvy church that has a all singing, all dancing website and cool videos, no, no so that we can reach out with kindness to people that may never experience church unless we invite them and say, hey, come along and watch this on a Sunday. We're not showing how good we are. We're, to, we're there to reach the unreached, to love the unloved and show kindness to those that need the kindness of Jesus. That's your family, your neighbour maybe to reach the Megans and the Derricks of our world, to reach the people of our world who have been othered by unfortunately, the church and other Christians. So as I said, in a few weeks' time, I'm gonna, I'll talk a bit more about that when we've got a date, but I want you to think about what is it that I can invest 
in helping reach my family, my neighbours. People in Saskatoon don't need another tech-savvy church. They need the kindness of Jesus. They need the welcome home. They need our hospitality as we welcome people into the presence of Jesus. See, Megan didn't need to be proved wrong. She needed a kindness that she couldn't explain and definitely didn't deserve. And so often we want to prove that we're right and they are wrong. But imagine, imagine if we suspended our need to prove rightness and reach out with kindness. Kindness that reaches out as one, that reaches out with an undivided heart. You see, an undivided heart is a devoted heart. It's a vulnerable heart. It, caps, it gives a glimpse of who Jesus is. It shows those who don't know Jesus what he thinks of them. An undivided heart shows our world the real Jesus. No, we're not perfect. Yes, we will get it wrong. But we can choose to respond with love. As the Bible tells us, love, a love that covers a multitude of wrongs. Ephesians 4 25 to 32 says this, Therefore each of you must put off falsehood and speak truthfully to your neighbour, for we are all members of one body. In your anger do not sin. Do not let the sun go down while you are still angry, and do not give the devil a foothold. Anyone who has been stealing must steal no longer, but must work, doing something useful for, with their own hands that they may have something to share with those in need. Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouth, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God, with whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Get rid of all bitterness, rage and anger and brawling and slander, along with every form of malice. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as in Christ God forgave you. See, this whole passage teaches and talks about our behaviours in relation to each other, how we live out the gospel in community. But right in the middle, I don't know if you've noticed that, and I don't know if you've ever thought about this, if you've read this passage before, it talks about grieving the Holy Spirit. What on earth is that? And we can get all caught up in all sorts of things, but we need to read that in the context of the passage before it, and the passage after it, and both of those are about how we treat each other. You see, how we treat each other within the life of our community affects the Holy Spirit. The way that we speak to each other, the way that we speak about each other while we're there and while we're not there affects the Holy Spirit. How we treat each other is what can grieve the Holy Spirit. He's grieved by our talk that pulls down, our lack of justice, our greed, our lack of forgiveness, our gossip. That's not the world. That's us, the church. The Holy Spirit is hurt by us when we hurt each other. So our commission, our question is, how will we respond to each other? I believe that we're a church that responds with kindness, with generosity, with compassion, with forgiveness, with love. All of those things is what Jesus responded, reached out to us with. Let me read a quote, another quote from Henry Nguyen. 
He says this, our society seems to be increasingly full of fearful, defensive, aggressive people anxiously clinging to their property and inclined to look at their surrounding world with suspicion, always expecting an enemy to suddenly appear, intrude and do harm. But still, that is our vocation, to convert the enemy into a guest and to create the free and fearless space where brotherhood and sisterhood can be formed and fully experienced. Imagine that circle. Imagine people looking at the world around them that is defensive and aggressive and saying, yeah, but if I go to circle, I know it's going to be different there. I've heard what they're like. I've heard that they welcome people home. I've heard that they reach out with kindness and hospitality. See, we respond with the same love in the same way that Christ loved us. A love that shows up in kindness and hospitality. A kindness that draws people in their life, dominated by sin, to a place of acceptance. A hospitality that, as Alan Hirsch stated, would deconstruct fear and reconstruct a shared humanity. Jesus continually reaches out to us with kindness and hospitality. Will we, at circle, with an undivided heart, do the same? Can I pray with you? Father God, I thank you for what you've already done in us as a church. But God, I am so excited about the future. We thank you for the foundation that we stand on, for the people that have sacrificed years upon years of service, in selfless service, to bring this church to where it is. But God, we want to move forward. We want to continue that work. We want to stand on those foundations, but build as well. God, I pray that we will build with kindness. We will build with an undivided heart. We will build as one. God, I pray that our community won't know us just as the church with that big building, but they'll know us as a church that reaches out with kindness, that reaches out and welcome home, welcomes home the prodigal, those that are in need, that reaches out with, with justice. In the name of Jesus, amen. Before we finish, as I do every week, I want to extend an invitation for those that don't know Jesus or those that have walked away from him to come home, to come back to that place of family or to come to that place for the very first time. And maybe you're watching this and someone has invited you to watch it but you've already experienced that kindness. You've already experienced the, the undivided heart that we have. And you're saying, I want what they have. I want what they have. You see, what we have is not a philosophy. It's the person of Jesus. The person of Jesus came to forgive our past, give us life in the present and a hope for our future. And I'd love to have the privilege of praying a prayer with you in a moment. And that prayer is basically saying, Jesus, I want to come home. So if you're here and you've never made that decision, can I pray with you? And while we, while we pray, or maybe even right now, you just click that button, I want to come home, raise my hand. We'd love to connect with you after that. Why don't you go through and talk to one of our team that are waiting to talk with you and maybe even pray with you. Or you're here and you've walked away, you've experienced that family life, you've experienced that welcome home, you, you've experienced the forgiveness and love of the Father, but for some reason you've walked away. And the Father and Jesus are waiting there with open arms saying, come home. 
Come home. Come home. And if I may, I'd love to pray with you right now. I'm just going to say a simple prayer, and maybe you want to repeat the words after me, or just pray a simple prayer in your heart. So let's pray. Dear God, I come to you now, and I give you my heart. I would ask that you exchange my cold heart for a heart of flesh. I ask for forgiveness of my sin. I ask you into my life. I ask for forgiveness. I ask for life. I ask for hope. And I thank you that you've promised that as I come to you. In the name of Jesus, amen, amen. Hey church, it's been incredible to preach through to you. I'm so excited about this. I'm excited about this series and uh, can't wait till we get out there. Who knows when that'll be, but please keep praying for our visa and for our house to go through smoothly. So I'm going to hand back to the team in Saskatoon. Love you. See you soon. Take care.